If I may interrupt, I'm sorry for that. Dear friends, I hope you're having a, uh, you had a great lunch. So, and I'm looking also for our photographer, for Costas. Where is Costas? There you are, good. So, um, I would like to uh, take a moment and say we are privileged to have with us uh, Peter Evanson today. I don't think that uh, you need me to say much more about Peter. Actually, Krista is going to introduce Peter. All I'd like to say is that uh, we are absolutely uh, privileged that we have the opportunity to recognize Peter for his uh, very long and successful career and contribution to the shipping industry. Uh, Peter has been a banker. He's been a in a ship owner, he's seen the industry from uh, so many different angles. So anyway, we're delighted to have him with us today. Uh, and I think uh, Peter is going to tell you that uh, he didn't actually retire. Um, nobody expected him to do so. Uh, he's always as active and uh, as insightful as ever. So Captain Link, every year we recognize somebody for their, you know, uh, a leading personality for their contribution to shipping. And uh, we are really, uh, Honored to have Peter with us today, and I'll ask Krista to do the honors and uh, introduce Peter. Thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. It's my pleasure to come up here today and introduce Peter Evanson as he is presented with Capital, Capital Links Leadership Award. He undoubtedly requires no introduction to most of you in this room, but I'll give you some quick notes on his background. He retired last year as Chief Executive Officer of TK Corporation after holding many positions at the company since 2002. Prior to that time, he worked for nearly 20 years in shipping banking at J.P. Morgan Chase and his predecessors, with his last position being Global Head of Shipping. I've known Peter for over 15 years as I covered him and his team during his time at TK. And there's many things to say about Peter as a person and as a professional. And I'm sure he's going to get up here and say many entertaining comments, as he usually does. But today, this award is for his leadership. And as I think about how Peter exemplifies leadership, there's three areas that come to mind. Leadership, through the first attribute, is his business vision. Secondly, through his energy and enthusiasm. And lastly, through his integrity. To address the first, his business vision. TK has always been at the forefront of thinking ahead about changes in our industry and what's happening in the global energy market, what customers will need. And Peter embraced this as he transitioned from the banking to the management role. He's well known for his ability to use the capital markets and innovative structures to support the business strategy of TK, which helped transform the company in an accelerated fashion from its roots as a tanker company to the diversified leader it is today across multiple segments. But his role in driving the strategic success went well beyond finding the right kind of investors for the company. It was Peter who led the discussions with the Spanish company Navios Tapias, which had four LNG carriers on long-term contract, which TK acquired to enter the sector for the first time in 2004. And today, TK is one of the leading independent LNG shipping providers. Peter also helped expand the scope of the offshore business in many ways, um, just as one example through identifying the right joint venture partner as they entered the FPSO market. If I move on to the second leadership attribute, his energy and enthusiasm, 
Peter has always worked tirelessly to see through his ideas to execution. In his early days as CEO, he traveled the globe to meet the employees of TK. His sense of humor is always appreciated. I've only witnessed one occasion where one of Peter's jokes misread his audience. We were doing the IPO of TK Tankers in December of 2007, and as it was going well, Peter began to feel very confident about how the order book was building, so started joking with investors that it was an early Christmas present. It worked in many meetings, except when we had rooms full of Jewish investors. <laughs> the last quality I wanted to address is Peter's integrity. This industry can sometimes attract individuals where personal motivations influence decisions for corporations. But Peter has always worked with a mindset of being a good steward of other people's capital. Despite his personal successes in both his banking roles and his roles at TK, Peter lived and breathed the value of his team, both his team and that of his advisors. And as a banker, when we aim to, to serve our clients as their trusted advisors, it's always more fun to do this when there's a mutual respect, and we always felt that with Peter. So as Capital Link recognizes Peter today for his leadership, we celebrate this business vision, which has allowed him to shape progress. We celebrate his energy, which has allowed him to execute. And most importantly, we celebrate his integrity, which sets an example that others can inspire to. With that, I'd like to invite Peter up to accept this award. Thank you very much, Krista, for all your kind words. Uh, Krista was responsible for shepherding me and the team through three of our IPOs, and we affectionately call her Deal Queen because she always performed for TK. And that's an, a, an outstanding attribute because when you do various deals, you're not sure when you start whether you'll be there at the end. So you need people who are fully committed to doing that. And so, as you said, Krista, a team isn't just your own people, it's everyone around you in a partnership mentality. So I'm not quite sure why I'm getting this award apart from having survived 35 years in shipping. I think survive is the right word, isn't it, Nick? But I would like to thank Nick, Capital Link, and all of you for this honor. I have had a great joy of being on both sides of the table. 20 years as a shipping banker, 15 on the ship owning side. <clears throat> I was able to pitch how to finance your shipping fleet to ship owners, and then after joining TK, I was able to receive the how to finance your shipping business pitch from banks. And sometimes when the banks would come, they would look at me like, oh, you're a fellow shark. And they would go, oh, here, here are the three pages of the meat of the pitch out of 60 pages. I would say, no, do the whole pitch. And the other thing that I would tell my colleagues, and I think that's very important to the, uh, to the ship owners in this group, is that don't depend on your bankers to come up with the ideas. 
I said when I came to TK, tell the bankers before they come what you're interested in. Then they can tailor the pitch to where it is. Whereas in the past, at TK, we would just wait and see what the ideas were, and that wasn't the right way to do business in a partnership mentality. Nick, when we together took Sakos Energy Navigation public, wow, 15 years ago, here on the New York Stock Exchange, I was part of the JP Morgan team that wrote that marketing pitch that you delivered so well. Then I got smart, saw the upswing in shipping, switched sides, and while I was at TK, I then got to lead the team that took four companies public, and Deal Queen was there for three of them. And now I'm excited to start a third chapter. The team that succeeded me at TK were all in their 40s, and they were ready to take over, including Mark Kremen, who's here today, the head of TK LNG. And I had other things I wanted to do, including working in the not-for-profit world to find employment for adults with disabilities. So I didn't think my next chapter would necessarily include shipping. But as they say in Star Wars, the force is strong. <laughs> so I am slowly finding my way back. It's going to be different from chapter one and two, and I'm still surveying the landscape for the best opportunities. In the meantime, I have about 5,000 LinkedIn followers, and I regularly send out articles about shipping or whatever I feel like, <laughs> including some about TK, who I have a strong heart for. People often contact me and they ask my advice. What are they thinking? <laughs> including how to be successful in shipping and other endeavors. And my general reply to them is that they need to speak at least two languages, by which I mean they have to have two competencies so they can add value. In my case, it was shipping and finance. I could explain shipping to financial people, and I could explain finance to shipping people. But it could easily be shipping and something else, like social media, or shipping and network software, or shipping and AI. This is the future of shipping, and anyone who wants to be in shipping has to bring something new to the table. But they also want to know how business is done. They always want to know about doing the deal. Whereas I always want to tell them the things that I and my colleagues did to set up that moment. And the fact that you really need a team. If you can't lead the team, then you're not going to be successful. But shipping is so much fun because it has these moments. So instead of just giving you platitudes, I thought I'd give you a few from my banking and shipping side of things. Nick, you covered the future. I'm not sure it's that bright, but uh, I won't wear my shades. So I can reminisce about the past, as we all need to understand the past to know the future. And one of the reasons shipping is so much fun is because shipping is a late adopter of innovation. Shipping and aviation will unfortunately be the last adopters of autonomous transportation, whereas with drones and long distances over oceans where you don't come into contact with anything, I would argue that these two areas should arguably be the first. And if you actually look at it and see what the Air Force has done with pilotless drones, they're already doing it. And if you, if you look at some of the underwater drones that the US Navy doesn't want to talk about, they're already doing it. But it will probably be last to come to shipping commercially, and that's because they always waive the safety card. When in fact the machines could make it safer than today, 
because we would invest in greater redundancy rather than in the people. So I'm not denigrating the seamen. I'm saying we can invest in greater redundancy. And I've seen that in TK's shuttle tankers. But my career has mostly been about bringing innovative finance. And I've do done that by taking it from other industries and bringing it to shipping. My brother who's here today, he went to work in interest rate swaps in the 80s. And he taught me about them. So when I moved to Norway in 1985, I set as a goal to do the first interest rate swap at the Manufacturers Hanover Oslo branch. I'll never forget it. I was on a business trip up in Trondheim, Norway, above the Arctic Circle. I was 27, meeting with a CFO who was over 60. And I was trying to get him to enter into this interest rate swap. I had 10 reasons why he should do it. I had just launched into the first when he said, stop, yes, I'll do it. Part of me, the young part, said, wait, I have nine more reasons. <laughs> but the sales training the bank had given me was solid. It was get the hell out of there when you make the sale. There's no upside left, only downside. So I ran back out to the car and back to the airport and called the London desk. But if you want to innovate, you have to question the norm and ask yourself those questions, including why not. The shipping market was secured term loans until Chemical co-led a $500 million unsecured revolving credit for Bergeson. And why not? Now the market for corporate shipping loans is secured reducing revolving credit facilities. So we haven't got, gone to the unsecured because of credit gate, but we have gone to the revolving credit as we have corporatized shipping. And a big part of my career has been about corporatizing shipping. And that involves leadership, that involves building teams, that involves succession. And when I moved to London, I asked the ship owner, Christian Garrett Yebsen, why don't you buy out your partners in Gearbulk? He said, yes, tell me how. And that began a 15-year run of leading all of the major financings for Jebsen and Gearbulk, including one of the first high-yield bonds for shipping companies. And I challenged other companies. And one evening, I drew my revolving credit high-yield bond on a napkin when I had dinner with the CFO of Stena. And we had too much to drink, but sure enough, the next day when we had the meeting, he brought the napkin out and said, show me how. And I think that's an important part because that's what a good leader does as part of a ship owner, and that's what a good banker does. But I also learned the power of a brand. I often told young bankers, there are two names on your business card and only one has capital. So when Chase merged, with Chemical Bank, I got this wonderful group of Greek clients who wouldn't listen to me when I was head of European shipping at Chemical Bank, but suddenly they loved me when my ideas were as head of European shipping at Chase. So what is the power of a name? So I've never told this story in public, but enough time has passed. Once a Greek ship owner had a new granddaughter, and he wanted to buy a $20 million Chase time deposit that would mature in 21 years when she was 21. I went to the liability management folks who wanted to sell me a zero coupon US Treasury strip derivative instead of just depositing it in a Chase savings account at a fixed interest rate. Why did they do that? Because that trader could take 21 years of profit into his desk bonus pool that year with a US Treasury strip, but not a time deposit. But the smart ship owner had met David Rockefeller and he knew Chase would be around, so he opted for the Chase time deposit. 
By the way, that granddaughter got over $60 million at maturity when she became 21. It was a zero coupon bond. You also learn a lot by listening. Once while I was a banker, I had to take over some vessels. Yes, you don't always make good loans. And I got a lesson in willing buyer, willing seller versus distressed values. I met with a ship owner and I proposed, as a lot of bankers do, that he buy our ship at market value with financing. And he looks at me and he said, I didn't ask you what you want. I asked you what you need. Ouch. <laughs> so when another ship owner also came to me and talked about operations, he said, operating is something terrible I do between buying and selling a ship. That's what we now know as asset play. But that told me that I should concentrate on industrial shipping, where the ships are a means to an end and not an end in itself. And that's where TK has gone, and that's where I have spent most of my career as part of shipping. But let me get back to asking the why and the why not questions. When I joined TK and got the investor deck, it said our shuttle tankers were floating pipelines. So I asked, if we truly have floating pipelines, why don't we finance them that way? That ultimately led to the creation of MLPs for international shipping and offshore. But there were many steps in that process that were required, including TK's general counsel getting the Marshall Islands to adopt MLP law that looks suspiciously like Delaware law. But a whole team was required in order to do that, both inside and outside TK. But this financial innovation leads to a lower cost of capital. And it's often been copied, but the originals lie with TK and the team that made that happen. And I remember you mentioned it a little bit, uh, Krista, that we had this problem when we wanted to launch the MLP to finance TK LNG's ambitions. We didn't have any LNG ships <laughs> on the water, just the prospect of new buildings in Qatar. So I remembered this company I financed as a banker, Naviera Tapias. As you said, the owner of four LNGs on long-term contract, owned by uh, a ship owner, Fernando Tapias. And I said, if we could buy them, we could start the MLP machine. So I began an eight-month romance that saw me travel many times to Brazil. But it all culminated in a take-it-or-leave-it meeting at Fernando's house on a Saturday morning at his dining room table. I was prepared. I had printed out at the hotel four different final offers with different amounts. And I told him I was on the early plane back to New York when in fact I was on the later plane. That way he would think I was an American and I was the one in a hurry. So we talked and talked. He was using up the time. And I said I'd give him one final offer. And after discussing, engaging it, I pulled one of the four out. Not the highest one. And I, and he did what I knew he would do. He looked at it and said it was in, in, inadequate. So I got up to leave and then he blinked and said there must be a way. So we talked and we agreed on a contingency fee based on new business. And I called Bjorn Muller at 2 a.m. in Vancouver. And after acting surprised I didn't offer the highest amount that the board had authorized us, he said yes to the arrangement. So that's a good story. But of course, you don't always win, but the lesson to take away is to be prepared. But you also have to think well on the fly. As Nick Sakos is here, I'll tell a favorite one from that roadshow. 
We were at a hedge fund in La Jolla, California with a view of the Pacific Ocean one morning. Nick was very proud of his family's shipping history, and during the presentation at the beginning, he said his family had been in shipping 300 years. The investor interrupted and said, so you're pirates? <laughs> there was this pause. I think it went on forever, but maybe not. And then Nick said enthusiastically, yes! <laughs> the man loved Nick's authenticity, and after we left, he put in an order for $300,000 with no price specified, which in investment banking language is awesome. And it was, but it just shows you the authenticity and what's important. So enough of war stories. The key is to go out and make all of your own. I'm just as excited today about the prospects for certain shipping sectors than I have been at other junctures. In my 35 years in the industry, I've seen the industry go through its ups and downs. Doesn't everyone say that? But some of our sectors have never really recovered from the financial crisis of 10 years ago. The shipping game as we know it is changing, and I expect we'll see more change in the next five to 10 years than we have in the past 20. Disruptors are coming to shipping. And my response is always innovate, even if it is just bringing to shipping what you see in other sectors. So I'm not the nervous type. I see this as very exciting times for shipping and a necessary time. And I encourage you all to embrace the change rather than resist the change. I know that can-do spirit, a lot of which I heard uh, this morning at the conference, is ready to take shipping out of the cyclical downturn. So in closing, more people than I have had time to mention have helped me throughout my career. They've given me advice, but the final thought I want to leave you with is that some of the best advice one ship owner gave me in a previous down cycle. With a big smile on his face, he whispered to me, Never a crisis, Peter, merely an opportunity. So in closing, many thanks to Capital Link for this honor. And remember that shipping is the Hotel California, and I'm testimony to it. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Thank you. <laughs>